You're listening to the Fireman Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 11, published November 15th, 2022. This episode, we'll be talking to Brian Eastridge about entertainment. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Sit back and relax for this week's episode. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Fireman Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. If you're a certified instructor, you qualify for FTA coverage. And remember, you can get 10% off in your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Manus X. I've been a longtime Manus user from their original Manus X to the new Manus X10 that came out with a couple of years ago, and now excited about their most recent product, Manus Blackbeard X. The Manus Blackbeard X combines the Manus 10 and the Manus Blackbeard system into one platform for the AR-15. It unleashes a completely new capability with in-depth dynamic shooting analysis, including motion-based analysis and multi-target engagement, something no one has done before. Manus Blackbeard X connects to your smartphone via Bluetooth and can easily download the Manus X application for Android and iOS. The Manus X application gives you history on all your previous sessions, as well as new drills for the modern sporting rifle. Manus X changed the way I train. And I think you'll find the Manus Blackbeard X is a great training aid for yourself and your students. Check out Manus X for more information on their Manus products, including the new Manus Blackbeard systems. That is ManusX.com. We bring this podcast support in the industry, Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Brian Eastridge from Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me back for, I think this is round four or five. Yeah, you're becoming one of the one of the regular guests, that's for sure, but we always enjoy having you on. Hey, for those that might not know who Brian Eastridge is, can you give us a little bit of your background? Well, let's see. I'm an, an Army vet. That's kind of ancient history. Um, so I've been a cop for 20 years and a little over a month. And then uh, host the Off Duty On Duty podcast, and I'm a co-owner of EDC Belt Company. And then I run a, I've got like a Patreon that's Eastridge Training and Consulting, which is my other business or LLC, I guess you'd say, where I, I do some contract training. Uh, not a lot of expert witness stuff, but uh, done some of that, and then just do open enrollment training and LE training. And, and, uh, that one kind of picked up here towards the end of the year, but, but that's kind of me in a nutshell. You do, do a lot of all around stuff. Uh, good training. Uh, I've seen you at the guardian conference conference several times and a few times in between too. So good stuff. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about entertainment, uh, on this podcast, we've, uh, we talked about this in episode three with Ken Hackathorn and I thought us being in season four, it might be a good time to go along and talk about this again, because in the firearm training industry, uh, there's a lot of good trainers out there with a lot of good content, but there all is also, um, you know, those, you know, courses where people take simply for the entertainment value of it. Um, so in your, in your mind, can you give us a little bit about where, what's the difference between the, you know, critical training or the, uh, the, the entertainment training and, and the, you know, useful training, I guess you could call it that way. I mean, I guess it's all useful, but more of the critical training. Yeah. I call it like basics mastered versus entertainment. Okay. And, uh, 
the the dividing line for me is you have to have a conversation with yourself if you're going to be a responsible gun owner, gun carrier, you know, steward of the second amendment. And I, <laughs> how to phrase it without stepping on a bunch of toes. Cause it's not, I know the word entertainment. I borrowed that from Dave Spaulding, who is, you know, Dave's one of my heroes, uh, as is Ken Hackathorn. So, uh, but the entertainment thing, I look at it like if if you're Joe average and you know you've got some training, you've got a concealed carry permit. Is there any applicability to like fast roping out of a helicopter with a carbine? It probably not. Probably not. Right. Unless you drive, unless you drive or ride in a helicopter on a regular basis to and from work. Right. right. <laughs> Maybe too many people that do that. <laughs> and, and then the FAA is going to get a little hinked up when you've, when they find out you're, you're essentially, you know, repelling out of a helicopter. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I've done those things. I mean, I've, I've done that in the military. Uh, I don't wear those boots anymore. You know, I, that's just, that's not who I am or, or what I do anymore. Uh, same with a lot of the carbine stuff. I, I love carbines, don't, and I'm not knocking people that go out and get training with a carbine. However, uh, running a shoot house with a four-man team as Joe Average civilian, does that have any applicability to your the daily goings-on of your life? And if you answer yes, then it's not entertainment. You're not doing it for the entertainment value right? You're, you're doing it because maybe in some facet of your life, that's a, that's a factor. Um, but it all stems from, and it all goes back to the basics mastered, right? And that's, that's kind of the the dividing line that I look at is if you look in the mirror and go, man, that ain't me. I'm in no danger of putting on night vision goggles and having to go arrest a bad guy or, you know, hunt for one of one of the nation's most wanted, then maybe you should tailor your training to something that's more along the lines of the basics mastered. Mm-hmm. Along with that, um, what, what do you think that means for the student? You know, so what kind of questions should they ask themselves? You know, if they see a fast rope course, obviously, you know, we just talked about it probably isn't applicable to the average civilian um but you have any thoughts on what the students should be asking themselves um you know if they should do a uh, do a course or something or something along those lines questions they should ask themselves um man as far as like what type of training should they mm-hmm. should they take um <laughs> Well, I saw a really uh, an interesting little meme that that involved Craig Douglas, and it said, you, "You know, if you if you can't prevent yourself from getting gang raped in a shower, then you you should probably skip the carbine class." I mean, it was it was a pretty graphic uh, representation mm-hmm. of what I'm talking about, but but there's some truth to that, right? And I I don't mean like I'm not like deriding or disparaging victims of sexual assault or whatever. It's just, if the training does not apply to what you do or how you carry a gun or what you do when you carry a gun, then it's probably 
for you, it's going to be entertainment value, right? And uh, I'll like I hunt a lot, right? And I know how to use a carbine. I've been through a lot of carbine training. I've been through some bolt action rifle training, etc. But it's very basic. And what I mean by that is it's how to zero the gun, how to keep the gun running, and how to employ it for maybe a static position, not a whole lot of running gun stuff, uh, but be very accurate in doing so. Well, that kind of applies to the hunting world, right? Well, that's kind of similar to like hunting people. If you're in the if you're in the role of hunting people, there's not a whole lot of complexity uh, or other considerations other than be able to get the gun between you and the bad guy and do work, right? Whereas you know, I've seen I've seen everything from you know vehicle dynamics classes, and I'm not disparaging the people that put those on. However, if you're not a convoy driver or some high risk job description, what value do you really take from that? And, mm-hmm. and that's what I meant by entertainment. And, you know, Ernest Langdon, one time it, in a class, we were talking about something and he's, he's like, you know, there's a lot of gunfight fantasy camp out there. And the reality of it is much different. Uh, so yeah, you, you just kind of got to pose the question, is that me? And once you answer and it becomes pretty clear that, is that me, you can make the determination. Am I, am I going into this training and tactically LARPing or am I actually training for something that I do in my everyday life? Something re- realistic because, yeah, I've taken I've taken a, uh, a couple um, in vehicle kind of uh, shoot classes, and they're fun. But the majority of my classes that I've taken have always been more about the you know draw from the holster, move and shoot, executing the basics as much as possible. Because I realize that I'm more likely to have a problem at home. To where I've got to be able to, you know, shoot, uh, shoot very confidently and accurately because there's other, you know, people in my family in, in the house, and also be able to go along and discern, you know, what is the, you know, proper, t- uh, proper targets if I'm out out in public. You know, right. I don't drive. You know, I don't drive every single day or be in my car for hours upon hours to where that could be one of the places where I'd be ambushed. I, you know drive to the mall i drive home you know i drive to this place and i and i come home so you know in public and at home are my probably two most vulnerable uh, places and that's where i gotta say i probably uh probably have done the majority of my training if you know i know how to go along and get the seatbelt off and how to go along and you know make sure i don't get the you know gun caught up in the steer- steering wheel but also you know i've taken taken away that a car is a metal coffin and if you don't mm-hmm. get out of there either use either use the car to escape with or get out of the car because there's just, there's no good place to be inside of a car when somebody else is shooting at you. Right. It's kind of a big target, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, and it all, you know, I'll give it the example. I, I put on this, uh, eight hour is essentially an in-service for a, for a local group of law enforcement officers. And, uh, it was, I don't know what they expected when they got there, but 
you know, it was a lot of shooting B8s at three, five, seven yards expeditiously and a process to build the blocks to be able to execute that almost subconsciously. And one of the guys asked me, he's like, oh, are we going to do any moving and shooting? I'm like, yeah, no, not, not for this. Because based on the feedback I'm getting from the B8 repair centers at five yards, it would probably be lost on you at this point to try to add movement into this. Um, you know, we've just got to master the basics to where they're on autopilot all the time and anchor the concepts of how you can fire a pistol accurately at a reasonable engagement distance or a typical engagement distance and do that with a degree of automaticity, right? Uh, whereas if you complicate that process too much in the early stages of development, you really stifle yourself from ever mastering the basics. And I was guilty of that when I was younger as well. You know, everybody wanted to run and gun and go fast. That's awesome. That's great. It's, but if you cannot hit a, <laughs> if you cannot hit a target of a reason or realistic size with monotonous regularity at a typical engagement distance, the rest of it is all for naught. You're, you're, you're really wasting your time. And the hard part of it in the training world or industry, as we say, uh, is there has to be some degree of marketing. There has to be some degree of, of, of a catch to, to lure people into this train. And I say lure, I don't mean that negatively, but to get paying customers to come take your information. And most people are not entertained by, I'm going to stand at five yards and try to cut the center out of a B8 for 300 plus rounds uh, in different, with varying degrees of difficulty or, or uh, time standards, right? Mm -hmm. And the, <laughs> and what I saw really quickly in this law enforcement class was there were several people there that were very good shooters that just in that changing the target size really showed a lot of flaws or shortcomings in their, in their marksmanship ability under some measured degree of, of time. So with that, if I go, okay, we're going to do an advanced pistol class where we cover reloading, shooting on the move, uh, you know, shooting behind cover, shooting behind barricades, et cetera, on and on and on we go. It's like, it's kind of all for naught at this point. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it's, but the, the flip side of it is a lot of our technical ability to execute under stress, a lot of our innovation and training techniques comes from the entertainment side of the house, right? They find a better way or a more expeditious way to, of doing something. Uh, and I give you an example of that as well. Uh, take, for instance, the guns we carry now. Uh, the guns that are in widespread service with a pistol-mounted optic. Mm -hmm. You know That didn't come really from the combative aspect of things. That came from the competitive entertainment side of the house. That was kind of where it was rooted right? That was where a lot of the innovation and development happened. Uh, 1911 pistols. Uh, we would all be 
still shooting a, <laughs> a 45 with 230 grain hardball and no such thing as a beaver tail grip safety if some guys hadn't pressure tested that in a competitive manner right right uh same thing with sights triggers i mean it, it the list goes on and on that didn't come out of you know that didn't come out of the military in 1940 it, it came from the competition side of the house a few years later right so there has to be a good balance of that. And for me, I look at when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, do you, I, I want to learn to shoot I'm like, okay, well, we got to get you on a path to master the basics. And that is hard, hard work. And there's nothing sexy or fun about it. It can be somewhat fun if you're new. Uh, but after a, after a few short years, that starts to get very, very tedious. And, uh, but the comp competitive side of the house, thank you. <laughs> I say this kind of in jest, but thank you, Father Enos and Father Latham for developing some techniques that actually shorten that learning curve to mastering the basics, right? Yeah, I, I think those are uh, good points uh, about it where you know things have been carried over from the competition side to the defensive side and defensive, you know, over into the um Oh, the competition at times for things because they've got to be pressure tested for us to know that they're actually working and pressure testing them in real life situations uh, is very, very difficult because you don't get into many, many situations to where you need all all the different skills all put together at the same at the same time, or hopefully you don't get into that main situations that you need all the skills. No, and and the other side of that that I see, and this is this is not disparaging military veterans in any way. Uh, the rules here in the continental United States are way different than they are overseas. Uh, to me, a miss is very unacceptable in the continental United States, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of people that are capitalizing on that training and it's fine. That's great. Um, I just struggle to see some of the relatable aspects of it. Uh, when it comes to the application of deadly force in the United States, it's there's now training police officers. Yeah. Great. Uh, training somebody to, to master the basics of a carbine or a handgun, whatever that might be. Uh, that that's, that's excellent. Um, however, the rules are very different and there has to be a very finite different or you know a very defined difference between the two and one of the things that i like i look at with uh here in the united states the rules are they are so vastly different from from what goes on overseas uh there's <laughs> There's just there's a litany of things that can that can land you in prison uh, if you don't understand and make a very clear distinction between those things. So, again, I if like for me personally right now, if I were to go take a night vision carbine course, it would be for nothing more than just the information. It has absolutely no relatable as or no relatable content for what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I've been a cop for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Now I have, I have people that work in our tactical unit 
that may be perfectly acceptable for what they do. But for me, it's, I won't say it's a waste, but it, but it's an inefficient use of training time and resources. Um, you know, the bulk of my practice these days is seven yards and in on a B8 target and about 50 rounds in a practice session just to stay honed to where I have a rigid amount of accountability and do that under an expeditious time standard, right? Because 99.9% of my life revolves around a handgun right now. There have been other times in my life that it didn't. But when I see, hey, so-and-so's coming to town and they're putting on a, you know, night vision, close quarters, combat course with a, with a carbine, carbine and handgun, I go, well, that ain't me, man. That ain't what I do anymore. So am I better served to go do that or am I better served to go, hey, let me, let me go check out this. And it's just throwing Tom Givens out there, but let me go check out this Tom Givens personal protection course or mm-hmm. something to that effect that applies to what I do all the time. Now, I get through that where I have a command mastery of the handgun, which I consider that I do at this point in my life. Man, maybe. Maybe I maybe I need to go explore shooting USPSA or shooting three gun again or something like that. And maybe I go find one of those people that are a high level competitor and say, you know, show me the secret sauce. But if I just got my concealed carry permit, or I'm like ninety nine percent of the rest of the government or the con- concealed carrying populace, is that is that really where my time's best spent? Ooh, that's that's mm-hmm. up to you. It's, mm-hmm. America, man, you can't do this in France, right? Like, yeah. you can't do, do it in want. Canada anymore either. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, Brian, let me ask you this question. Um, made a lot of good points, you know, from the student perspective. Um, for the inst- from the instructor perspective, what what are your recommendations to instructors for them to, uh, on how they structure their course? I mean, you touched on a little bit, and that we've got to be able to market a course. We've got to be able to bring those people in to want to do a course. But in your mind, um, what's a percentage? You know, when instructors are looking at a course between trying to make it entertaining for it, but also have, having those, you know, real life scenarios that they can, the student can walk out of the class and say, yes, I learned something versus saying, well, that was a lot of fun. But, you know, in your in your situation, I'll never you know, be using night goggles in the middle of the, you know, middle of my house and, and you know, searching for bad guys. It just ain't going to happen. So what, what, do you, what do you think the, what do you think would be a good breakdown between trying to make a course that's entertaining and also a course that gives uh, the students what they need? Well, I would say that you have to have some level of assessment built in and you have to have a curriculum that is open enough that even when you are speaking to the basics and informed enough that even when you're speaking to the basics you have something for the instructor level dude and you have something for the entry level dude, right? Or gal. I, mm-hmm. I say dude, just non-gender specific, right? Uh, do that. I'll, yeah, exactly. It, it, you just, yeah, it's non-gender specific. <laughs> and s- sometimes that means, you know, your goal as an instructor may be hindered by the audience. And I don't mean that to sound like, oh, well, I'm this great instructor and I'm going to teach them all this whiz bang stuff. 
sometimes you have to kind of take a step back and go, am I giving these people what they need to know and making them execute that with almost monotony uh, versus my goal is to get into, you know, the Magnum PI dive role or the, <laughs> the Mill Gibson combat role, whatever. Uh, I do, I need to be able to make an assessment of the students really quickly and shape the curriculum to where it goes based on that. Uh, and also be aware that I need to challenge them. So exposing them to higher levels of, of execution are not a negative thing, but you know, if my whole class is based around walking and shooting and people don't know the shooting part, it's kind of lost, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or, hey, we're going to do a, a vehicle tactics class and you don't know how to get a gun out of the holster and you recognize that somebody in that class doesn't know how to get a gun out of the holster, maybe time to back the bus up um, and really focus on that until they get it to a point where they're safe, you're safe, the other students are safe. Uh, and, and then move forward from there. But, but yeah, I, I, and I see a lot of that in the, the training world, but one of the reasons the training world is as advanced as it is, it just, this is my, this is Brian's opinion and Brian's assessment from sitting on the sidelines for years, uh, is because we have a core group of students in the United States that they will take whatever training comes to town. You have I call them like the training junkie in retail. They call them the super consumer, right? There are a lot of them in the U S so you have a lot of student base that has the potential to go very, very far with training. Uh, I would say probably in the U S there are less than 10,000 of them. Well, how many new gun owners did we have last year? Two I don't know. Three million, I think two, three million. Yeah, something like 12 million during the whole pandemic as a whole over over those three years. So, yeah. Yeah. So, who's talking to those people? Who's getting in their ear and going, hey, let me introduce you to the B8. Let me show you what a three by five card is and show you how difficult that can be to hit at varying distances under time. Um, so, and that's that's been one of my missions is like, aside from the LE game is, you know, somebody's got to talk to these people which is one of the things I really enjoy about the guardian conference is there is a good size student base there that has never been really exposed to much training as opposed to just, you know, your basic concealed carry courses and stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think one of the things, uh, bring up the guardian course is all the instructors, uh, you know, everybody tries to go along, make sure students are in the right class at the right time, because, you know, some of them are return. Some of them also are, this is their first uh, training class outside the concealed carry class. And that's where you've got to be very cognizant of those facts as a instructor. So you don't push them too far to where it becomes dangerous, but then also to identify the people that you can push to do a little bit more uh, later, later on and be able to say, okay, We've done this. Now we're going to go along, try to put two or three skills together and see how well they're, yeah. they're able to, you know, walk and move and shoot, shoot targets at varying distances, all those different kinds of things that are more advanced, but, uh, but you've got to make that first, you got to make that assessment first or else you're just inviting trouble on your range. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about the Guardian Conference. Something that was uh, kind of, oh, I don't know, uh, surprising to me was this. This year was the second year I presented at the Guardian Conference. Almost half of the students I had were repeat. And I wasn't teaching anything elaborate. It was, you know, shooting on demand at reasonable distances on a B8 repair center, a two-inch dot, something something to that effect, right? Uh, and that varied course to course. Uh, but uh, Michael and I were just almost shocked at how many people came back the second year to see the see the movie again. And and I kind of did an informal, hey, you know, you, you've you've seen my my shtick here. Like, wh- where are you? Why'd you come back? Why'd you? And the overwhelming response I got was, I took a lot from the class, and I really wanted to anchor this concept this year because a lot of those people had not seen what performance on demand looked like, uh, what varying target size and times and distances looked like, what really mastering the basics looks like. So that was kind of a, it was a pleasant surprise. Um, I thought it was maybe they liked my stand-up comedy routine. I don't know. It's just that spoke to me in a way that I was like, oh, well, maybe I went a little too too deep into this last year. Maybe I need to back out of the gas a little bit and really anchor the concept of of executing the fundamentals in context and really mastering them. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, I, I sat in for a little bit of one of your classes and thought uh thought i got got some good good um you know review over the different concepts because it's put this way as an instructor you always find out you don't shoot that much and it's always nice to get there and have somebody else you know look and see what you're doing because at the same time you can form some bad habits very quickly and if nobody's looking at it you, it just feels right but it's wrong to do things and that's where i was pleasantly surprised to see you know michael and you both give me a thumbs up for uh, those skills that i've demonstrated on your range with uh, the rest of your students yeah man you you i had no idea i'd never seen you shoot before <laughs> and then i was like oh man that beckman guy's got his stuff together all right moving on <laughs> yeah, i've shot a little you know just a little <laughs> bit you know that's just, i don't know probably my second or third course i've taken you know <laughs> yeah second or third this week or and, this month and this uh, on that day yeah uh, I was fortunate enough on uh, at the Guardian Conference Bill float around between the ranges and help out and partake in a lot of different uh, variety of uh, people's trainings. So that was uh, one thing I definitely appreciate about it. Well, hey, Brian, let me ask you a question. We've been asking all our guests in season four this year to recommend an annual event that you think instructors should uh, check out and go to. Do you have one in mind? Are you, you're talking the instructor crowd, but what the instructor crowd should go do. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an instructor conference or something else like that, but just something you think it would help instructors, uh, you know, again, get grounded in the basics and going along and push them a little bit further understanding more of the gun, more of the, more how people learn, just, you know, background information, but just, just something you think instructors should check out. Yeah. I, I've been on this, uh, kind of doing things in reverse model lately uh where i've i went and took like the nra's three-day basic pistol instructor development and then instruct pistol instructor uh certification right 
and some of the other, what would you call them? Uh, like core curriculums that are out there. And I don't mean that to sound contrite. Like I'm some, you know, somebody that's, oh, I've, I've trained past that. I'm, I'm, I'm above that now. No, uh, I wanted to see what our our new people in the gun community were were looking at. What kind of information were they getting? And the reason I did that on the instructor side was because it's real easy to get into the habit of advanced, advanced, advanced. This is an advanced class. This is a well, I want to know what this new crop of fresh-minded gun carriers what information they're seeing. So on the instructor side, uh, go to a basic development class. That would be my, my big one. Go to the NRA, go to USCCA, um, go look at what information is out there that the general public is digesting because, you know, I, I estimate there's probably 10,000 in the U.S. that train on a regular basis. And I don't mean go to the range and fire a few rounds. I mean, people that go take an open enrollment course from somebody. Um, there are last year, what, 2 million new gun owners? Go look at the information that they're getting and be cognizant of what their skill sets are and what information they've heard versus what you're teaching. Because what you'll find, and this is something I've found kind of on this journey, is, is you will spend a lot of time putting things in context for people. And I think that makes you a better instructor. And just go look at a very basic, a one-day gun handling course that there's no live fire. That, you know, somebody says, hey, this is a firearm safety course. Go back to the very beginning. Now, if you've done that a few dozen times, okay, I get it. But things change over time. Curriculums change over time. Uh, the instructors change pretty regularly, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're pretty affordable. Go to your local gun club and see what uh, uh, gun safety in the home looks like. And see what kind of information that that our our mass consumer out there is getting. Uh, it's definitely not going to hurt your uh, credibility, uh, nor is it going to like hurt your reputation. Go sit in one of those classes. I've, I've, there's a local gun range here in the city that that. You know, I've gone to and, and watched them put on a free seminar on gun safety in the home. Like, well, here is a an open-minded base of consumers in the gun industry and responsible citizens. I want to hear the information they're getting. And it will mm-hmm. make it will make you a better instructor. It absolutely will. Um, so that that's my big one is just go back to uh go back to the basics. Go yeah. right back to the, and I don't mean the basics as in like grip sights, trigger, marksmanship, stuff like that. I mean, I, 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 I've said this on podcasts before. I try to view everything from the my mom lens. Imagine your mother or your grandmother is sitting in their very first handgun class, their very first safety class for, for handguns. 
and then go see what that looks like because you may have forgotten it. <laughs> Makes sense? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And one of the things I'll add to that when you're talking about like home firearm safety mm-hmm. is how much do we keep up on all the different um, secure secu- uh, or the storage technologies? Mm-hmm. You know, with the biometric safes, with the RFIDs, with just your what's available in safes. And that's where that can be very enlightening uh, for it. Obviously, if you are keeping up with that, then maybe you need to, you know, get get a basic um, update on the different firearms that are coming out there. Because, okay, we're everybody's using striker fires, but, you know, what about the red dots? What, what about the, you know, what the up and coming micros are and different things along those lines to, to know and understand what the differences are between those storage devices, the guns, even ammunition. Um, yeah. you know, there's always something going on in any of those. And as instructors, we're looked on, upon as experts and we need to take that role seriously and also and humble, humbly, go back to those classes say okay what what what's new about this new um frangible ammo what's new with these new polymer bullets you know those those types of things and understand uh, what it is because you will have a student coming in and say hey i just bought this brand new you know whiz bang kind of gun can you show me how to shoot it and if you go along and say well i've never quite looked at one of these before <laughs> it doesn't sound very good to that student does it yeah and uh uh, that's something else that I'm very big on with instructors. Now I lucked out doing this, uh, LE in service. Fortunately, every single person there had a G 17 gen four gen five. I was like, this is an easy day. Uh, and one guy had a G 19 and, uh, he's a, he's a friend of mine. And I, he was the guy at the right side of the line that I just, I was just calling range commands for him, right? <laughs> not doing, I'm not giving him a whole lot of, of, of real high level information, but I didn't have to contend with a whole lot of different platforms. Uh, but one of the things I challenge people to do is if you're an instructor, pick a gun and carry just that gun for one year. Yeah. If you want to go to the range with your favorite revolver or your favorite, you know, open USPSA, whatever, uh, but pick a carry gun and devote yourself to a year of, of, of just that. And because inevitably one of those guns will show up in your class. Um, you know, how many guys have really run a H and K USP in the last 20 years. Right. But mm-hmm. I guarantee you one will show up in your class. So you better know something about it. Um, uh, you know, I was big on double action guns for a long time. I still am. Uh, that has helped me become a better instructor by knowing that that, that platform inside and out. 1911, same way. Uh, guess what is on the rise right now? The 1911, 2011 double stack pl- platforms. They are freaking everywhere now. We have generations of instructors that grew up on a G17 or a G19. Well, Mm -hmm. you're getting ready to see a whole new, I say new being new to you, a new aspect of those things. So man, go to an armorer's course, man. It's like, if you're going to be an instructor, I kind of look at it like it's a, it's an ongoing master's thesis. There, there is no end to it. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a continuing 
learning and development process. Uh, I don't teach the way now that I did five years ago. I don't teach the way now that I taught a year ago um, I, because I'm constantly trying to absorb new information and historical information, right? So yeah. got a little long-winded there, sorry. <laughs> good, good information. Well, gives people kind of context to going back to the basics uh, for it. Well, Brian, where can people find out more information about what you're doing, classes you're teaching, and other ventures that you've got your hands in? Well, right now I'm, I'm publishing about an article, two to three articles a month on Patreon. As far as classes, uh, they usually come up on Facebook or generally somebody, if somebody's going to host me, they reach out and host me and it's already booked. There's not, you know, I, I don't do a whole lot of open enrollment. Usually open enrollment looks like, Hey, I've got a group of 10 dudes and or guys and gals. And we want you to come and put on, put on a one day course. I really focus on a lot of one day courses, two day courses, get a little, uh, the time constraints and the ammo budgetary considerations are, are sometimes a bridge too far for people. Mm -hmm. And, and I really like reaching the, what I would call low intermediate the people that kind of have the gun handling thing in the bag, right? Like they know how to load it, unload it, not point it at other people, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, and getting them up to speed quickly on, Hey, these are the things that matters. Let's, let's focus on that. Uh, and generally those are already booked in advance and they never go out open. Like they never go to the general public. Um, I've had a couple of gun ranges that have done that in the past. And, uh, but yeah, that, and then off duty on duty.com. I'm still doing podcasts there. Uh, they've been a little infrequent the last few months. Cause I've had, <laughs> had a lot of irons in the fire life going on. <laughs> yeah. A lot of life going on there. Uh, and people are buying belts. So EDC belt company, that's if there's ever a reason you see that, Hey, you're, man, that guy's not putting out a podcast a week. It's cause you guys are buying belts and I appreciate it. So, uh, I, I kind of ingest told a bunch, like half the students at the guardian conference were wearing my belt and, uh, <laughs> you know, my business partner, Kristen was up there and I'm like, Hey, if you've got a belt on, she sewed it. And that was kind of cool. But the other part of it was, I was like, you know, you're kind of on the adopt a cop program. So thanks for your support. Cause, uh, that's, that's, what's accelerating my, uh, inevitable retirement from law enforcement. So. Uh, but yeah, edcbeltco.com. Uh, there's another website in development that's going to be primarily training and maybe some other products that's that's coming online. But that's that's not uh, not really ready for the public yet. Okay. Well, I can definitely vouch for the EDC Belt Company. I've got four of their belts. Um, oh goodness. <laughs> yeah, I use them a lot. And one of the things where uh, I told you I've really found them being really helpful is. Uh, I use them when I'm hunting and I'm, uh, climbing trees because yeah. they don't, don't have metal on them. They don't make sound. They are very comfortable and, uh, you know, hold my pants up, which is the important part when you're out hunting in the woods. I, oddly enough, I had a guy at a, uh, at an event, it wasn't at guardian, but another event who was a truck driver and this true story, he comes up to me and he's at a shooting event. I'm like, 
oh, okay. And he, you know, we saw, he saw the t-shirt. We got t-shirts, you know, and he says, oh, those are your belts. And I said, yeah. And he goes, those are what got me into shooting. And I said, run that by me again. And he goes, well, I'm always looking for a comfortable belt. And some gun buddy of mine said that these were really good. And he goes, I wear them when I'm driving a truck. And he goes, since I've got the same belt, my buddy that shoots guns does, I just got into shooting guns too. Okay. There you go, man. Just if that's what got you on the path, then, uh, thanks. You Mm -hmm. know, definitely. Well, if any, if anybody wants to, you know, have a good belt, check out edcbeltco.com or uh, contact Brian for more information. If you'd like to be a dealer, right? Yeah, exactly. There is a dealer <laughs> link on the website. So, uh, just reach up there and click that and, uh, and hopefully get me out of police work a little quicker. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, Brian, we definitely appreciate your time tonight. Uh, appreciate your knowledge on the topic of, uh, entertainment and uh look forward to seeing you again next year at the uh, gardening conference i'll be there have a good one bye that's a wrap for this episode and i hope you will share it with your friends do you have a topic you'd like me to talk about know somebody i should interview email me your suggestions at ftp at concealedcarry.com you can also leave us comments on our facebook page or our website at firemtrainerpodcast.com at our website you can also listen to previous episodes of our podcast and search for different topics I also want to ask you to leave us a review on Google Play or iTunes or wherever you listen to us at. These ratings help people find us, and they can see that you find this, our content valuable. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com, and check out their instructor insurance. Establishing your business was your first steps. Your next step should be getting FTA coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring this podcast support and industry the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.